North Carolina ended January with a loss, their only loss of the month, their only ACC loss, and their only true road loss. So the question now, how do you stop one loss from turning into two? You are Locked on Tar Heels, your daily podcast on the UNC Tar Heels, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, it's Thursday, February 1st, 2024. Welcome into the Locked on Tar Heels podcast, the only daily North Carolina show out there. I'm your host, Isaac Shea, joined today by our guy, Coach Bill Robinson, the head coach of the Milligan University Buffaloes. It is great to be together as always. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. New customers join today and you'll get $200 in bonus bets with your first bet of $5 or more if it wins. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. Hey, we want to thank especially you everydayers for joining us to make Locked On your first listener watch to get your team every day. If you're new to the show or you're not part of the Locked On Tar Heels Discord community already, we'd love to have you come in and be part of that. Come for the heels, stay for the community. I promise you it's great. It's free and the link is in the show notes. Come join us. All right, coming up on the show today, Coach and I are going to play a little uh, red light, yellow light, green light about a few things that uh, we've started noticing and how concerned we are with them. Had a really good question from our Discord, uh, kind of about how Armando Baycott has been doing and, and the intentionality of how he's interacting with the guards, so we'll get to all of that. But Coach, the first thing I want to do right now is, as we find ourselves here at the beginning of February, I want to try to put some perspective on January, and in particular, what happened in the last game of January, unfortunately. Because, Coach, when we look at it big picture, Carolina ends the month 8-1 and one overall. They end the month 5-1 and one on the road. Never before in program history have the Tar Heels played six road games in a single month. So, Coach, at the granular level, I know people are going to be upset because of what that one loss is, that it's to Georgia Tech and at Georgia Tech. But... Let me ask you this question, Bill Robinson. Heading into 2024, if I gave you eight and one overall for the month and five and one on the road, would you have taken that? We take that all day. And big picture, it's easy for us. And as outsiders outside the program, uh, to, to kind of just look at the bigger picture inside right now, they're still hurting. Because once you get run like they've been been winning, that win streak just it gives you the feeling of invincibility. You get that feeling you're never going to lose. Then all of a sudden you do get that one loss, and then that's when the cracks start to happen. Then you have to try to find where maybe the negativity is within your own locker room. Uh, I would have loved to have been in there last night because I think Coach Davis would have kept things super positive. Hey, you know, we made a great run. We didn't play great tonight. You know, we had a tough, tough – and, and he, he can say whatever he wants to about the, the officials in the locker room, and he probably did. But at the same time, I would like to see how – how positive they can just stay and stay unified because this is when it's time to to rally the troops to bring everybody together and make sure everybody knows hey we're we're great we're still good number one seed overall doesn't matter to them they just want to win the conference they want to be able to win the league win the tournament and then win it in, in the national tournament so one game doesn't really affect you as long as you don't let the cracks get deep that's right well let, let's answer that so how do you do that coach because one of the biggest 
things for me in sports is that, look, losses are going to come. Losses are going to happen. This team was never going to go 20-0 and in ACC play. It, it was inevitable. We've been saying it. They're going to get picked off <clears throat> at some point. You just didn't think it would be Georgia Tech. However, one of the critical things now is stopping this loss from turning into a snowball effect where you lose two or even three or more. So coach, how, how do you go about doing that? You just talked about some cracks. How do you go about putting sealant to, on those cracks to make sure that this loss at Georgia Tech doesn't uh, result in another one Saturday against Duke? Yeah, we talked about a little bit last week about being on the road and how you spend more time together. If you lose at home, when the locker room ends, empties, everybody goes off with friends and family, and then you don't see anybody the rest of the night. When you're in a Georgia Tech situation, you're on the bus driving back to the airport. You're getting a plane together. You're spending, hopefully, time, quality time, and that's the chance where you get a coaching staff, and not just Coach Davis, but all the guys throughout the whole staff, to bring somebody by, have them sit next to you and say, hey, let's talk about this real quick. Let's do it while the iron's still hot. You got real opportunities now to be able to, to deal with some of the issues immediately. There's no going and sleeping on it and dealing with it the next day in the office. Hey, let's make sure we get some of these issues right away. That's what I anticipated happened last night. You know, you have Elliot Cadeau get three quick fouls in the second half. Hey, Marcus Page, come sit next to, you know, need for a little bit. Let's let's sit here and talk. Let's talk about ways we can get through some of those, those first half turnovers that we're going to talk. I mean, all those little things, let's talk about them immediately on the plane, on the bus, wherever. Uh, so those things don't last. Coach, I mean, you, you mentioned, um, you know, talking about the referees in the locker room and, and that stuff from, from the end of the game. Let me just ask you, was that a foul on Georgia Tech on that last critical play? In my opinion, yes. Yeah. Because they talk about, you know, okay, is he straight up? But he's got to be straight up. He can't go from point A to point B. That's the big emphasis. To me, it looked like he went from point A to point B. I'm also biased. I want him to go to the free throw line. I want him to be able to get an opportunity to win the basketball game. Um, did the contact affect his shot? Yes, it did. The contact, you know, and again, here's the philosophy. This hurts my heart to even say it. I've got three men that I consider friends that are college basketball officials, you know, and, and it, that's part of the relationship as a coach. You, we have this love hatred with, with these guys. And there are times when they can see something and I see something and it's the exact same thing. He interprets it different than we interpret it. And, and because they are friends, it gives me the opportunity maybe after a game to be able to make a phone call or a text or whatever. To, hey, what did you see? Help me yeah. become a better coach. And, and hopefully I can help them maybe get the chance to see the coach's perspective. I still have a firm belief that every coach should have to officiate. Every official should have to coach just so <laughs> they have a better perspective of exactly what's going on. And I feel like every fan, every especially every parent, should have to officiate uh, at the lower level just so they understand what it's like because it's brutal and it's hard and it's a whole lot easier to sit there on your couch and officiate than have to have a whistle and run up and down the court. So um, I think we see things the way we want to see it sometimes. And uh, my initial thought watching it live was that it was a foul. Do you think there was enough the the um, play where RJ got? <clears throat> the strip and then eventually got the loose ball and the run out to give Carolina that one point lead. It looked to me like there was probably enough on that one to call a foul as well. Was there enough contact there as they both went up? It could, it could have been for sure. And again, um, I, I was on the road recruiting last night and on the, on the way to the game, I was listening to the UT uh, South Carolina game Ooh, and the yeah. first, the first second possession of the game, uh, the second half, they called three fouls, bang, bang, bang on 
Tennessee. And the, the announcers, and I'm, again, it's radio, I can't see it, but they said the first half was officiated completely different than the second half. And that's what's hard about coaching, to, to sit there and, and have some kind of consistency. Are we going to let them play? Are we going to call tic-tac fouls? Let's be consistent throughout the night and be consistent from one end to the other end. So if they're, you know, in the consistency, if they didn't call the one where RJ got the steal, then maybe they're correct not making the call. It, it, that's the consistency of it all. And again, it's hard to watch on TV and know. It, exactly. You almost have to be sitting on the sidelines to really get a feel for how the game is being called. Coach, something a lot of people will talk about is like some form of this statement. Oh, this team needed a loss to refocus or this team needed a loss because you can't keep stacking wins. And I don't mean that just specifically about what happened at Georgia Tech on Tuesday night. I mean, people say this about teams in any sport. I've always kind of bumped against that a little bit, but I'm curious your thought as a coach. Like, do you feel that with your teams of like, hey, we get on a bit of a winning streak? And uh, maybe it's covering up some sins because we keep winning, even though there there's some things, as you said earlier, some cracks beneath the surface bubbling. Um, is there something to that idea, Coach? Or is it just kind of an old wives' tale to help you feel better about a loss? I think it's an old wives' tale just to make you feel good about a loss. I do think it's, <laughs> it could be good um, if a team's totally – if they're completely undefeated. Uh, the, the Kentucky team a few years ago that, that went to the Final Four – it hadn't lost a game. I think the pressure had built so much because they hadn't lost a game. And when they got there and lost a the game, they were just completely devastated. To lose a game maybe towards the end of the year may have been a good thing for them to realize they were not invincible. So they're not overconfident. But right now, if, if I'm, you know, Coach Davis and the, and the Heels, we want to win every game. There's no refocusing. Let, let me refocus us in practice. Let me refocus us, you know, after a, in the locker room. But I don't need a loss to, to help me refocus. I love the confidence and the momentum it gets you. And last night to win a game, the last second, two free throws, RJ winning the game just gives you incredible momentum going into the weekend. Now, all of a sudden, it stops the streak. It gets you maybe to question little things. And now, all of a sudden, you got Duke coming in. And, you know, I it, it, think it makes it harder. Uh, I think they win even a one-point game that didn't play well makes it a little bit better for them going into it, just confidence-wise. just gives them that. Mm-hmm that little swagger that they need to, to, to take on uh, your, your big rival. Yeah, that's good perspective, Coach. Thank you for that. Very much so. Now, Coach, we've kind of already talked about it, but any time a team loses, issues that have been bubbling beneath the surface will often rise up, including how on earth can Carolina finally curtail their first half turnover issues on the road? We got that and a couple other questions as we play red light, yellow light, green light coming up in just a second. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Happy Super Bowl lead up to all who celebrate from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. If you're like me, Super Bowl Sunday is all about scoring the best seat on the couch, grabbing your favorite snacks, being with the right people, having a good, like, just tasty lemonade or something. I don't know what it is, whatever you drink. Man, I just love getting in on Super Bowl Sunday. It's so fun. Right now, the 49ers are favored at FanDuel by one and a half points. But FanDuel has so many ways for you to end the season with a W. Not only can you bet on who will win the game, but FanDuel also has bets for which players will score a touchdown, how many total points will be scored, and so many more. 
So new customers join today and you'll get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Join FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. Again, visit FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sportsbook partner of the NFL. All right, Isaac Shade, Coach Bill Robinson coming at you on a Thursday, and we're going to play a little red light, yellow light, green light right now. I've got three different issues that I'm going to pose that have maybe been bubbling up a little bit, and now we need to take stock of them. So a red light is you are very concerned. A yellow light is "Ah, I've got my eye on it, but it's all right for now. And a green light is I'm not worried about that at all. So, Coach, here we go. The first in our game. Number one, cleaning up first half turnovers on the road. In the last three road games, Carolina has nine, 12, and 10 first half turnovers. And then they flipped it. They've done a great job in the second half. In those same three games, second half turnovers have been two, five, and one. So you love that side of it. But coach, how concerned red, yellow, or green are you about these first half turnovers? I'm yellow light right now. I think it's something to be concerned about maybe not emphasize every day or or emphasize a lot uh i would be more concerned if the turnovers were the entire game if you look at the Mm. second half obviously they're much much better um is there something to that let i think the trend is not quite long enough yet let's see if this is something that continues to um but i i do think maybe you talk about it individually not as a whole if it's a red light thing i think it's something you got to everybody's got to talk about and you emphasize a lot in practice maybe it's something you pull a guy or two aside and say hey just got to make sure we value the ball a little bit more in the first half, especially on the road when uh, momentum can shift quickly. That's that's really well said. And I mean, that's kind of part of, you know, some of the, some of the issues is Carolina gets these leads. But if you're not getting uh, excuse me, if you're not turning the ball over, then you're getting more shots and maybe you can hold those leads. But, yeah, it is interesting. I mean, Coach, have you noticed anything specific or like you said, is it because it's just a three game sample size on that? It, it might be just more coincidental in nature. I think it is more coincidental right now. You still got great players who make great decisions and you prove that by the the, the, the small numbers and turnovers in the second half. So if it was one guy, um, if it was every game, still a little bit short, uh, you know, sample size right now for me. But um, okay. I do think maybe maybe you go back and look at what what leads to them. Is it transition? Is it something within the half court? Is it ball handling? Is it is it somebody being super aggressive? I like uh, sometimes when we're really trying to push tempo and maybe we throw it over somebody's head into the crowd. Don't necessarily like the turnover, but I like the aggressiveness. I don't want them to 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 be hesitant. Uh, yeah. I think it was John Wooden said, "He who you know uh, it doesn't make any mistakes also has basically." doesn't have a whole lot of impact either. If you're not making some mistake along the way, then you're not making enough plays. Uh, is, is the, I don't know the exact quote, but, um, and then Bobby Knight says, you know, that he who makes the least amount of mistakes, you know, wins. Um, so you have two great coaches who, two totally different uh, philosophies, but my philosophy is more about, hey, you're going to make plays, sooner or later you're going to make mistakes. It's like fishing. My dad used to t- tell me fishing. If you're not losing lures, then you're not fishing where the fish are. I like, yeah, that's good. <laughs> You got to throw it underneath that log, or you need to throw it underneath that tree. And every once in a while, you're going to get stuck on something, and you may lose a lure, but you're going to catch more fish that way. So that's why I like to to be able to really be more aggressive with it. Yep. And one of the things that I, I guess maybe this is a good thing is you look back at the the ten first half turnovers against Georgia Tech, and nobody they were all spread out. Nobody had more than two, um, but just about everyone had at least one. 
And so hopefully uh, it is the case of just being uh, aggressive and uh, not too many unforced errors like that. All right, coach, second of our things here is Elliot Cadeau's foul issues it's interesting lately it's been some more kind of first half where he's had to like the florida state game where he had to sit out the final six and a half minutes thankfully against georgia tech no first half fouls but he accumulated five uh fouls in the second half while playing only how many minutes let me get back to it um seven minutes and 42 seconds he picked up five fouls in the second half against Georgia Tech. So, Coach, um, great job by Elliott su successfully navigating the first half, but was obviously hit hard in the second half. Overall, with Elliott's foul issues, red light, yellow light, or green light? I'm still yellow light with that one. Uh, I don't think it's anything to really worry about. I don't want you to tell a kid to, to back off, and especially defensively, his aggressiveness. Um, oh. But at the same time, hey, let's talk about it. Let's not get cheap ones. If it's going to be a good one. Um, Del, <laughs> Harris, <money's> <laughs> Del Harris is a Hall of Fame coach, obviously a Milligan alum. We just had him on campus dedicate the floor uh, a couple weeks ago. Uh, he had a philosophy about fouling for profit. <laughs> to use your fouls at the right time to be able to, to put somebody on a line instead of giving them a layup, make them earn the two. Of the, is, is Elliot getting good fouls? Are they, are they bad fouls? Are they cheap fouls? Are they something that's keeping – uh, you know, somebody's turning the corner and you found them so they don't get in the lane and be able to make, a, you know, a pitch out for a three. Or is he getting cheap ones 75 feet away from the basket in the backcourt on, on a play where he could have just taken that back and kept the guy in front of him? Those are the type of things I want to talk about. You know, we look at how he's getting those fouls. Are they just attacking him like they did second half last night? And, uh, you know, he's getting some of those cheaper ones where, um, you know, I think it's, he's got to pick and choose them a little bit. So maybe it's a conversation to have, but not anything to really worry about right now. All right. Good one. Like it. So the third and final of our red light, yellow light, green light game, Carolina's scoring droughts. It, it's funny, coach, because Carolina is, is amassing some good streaks of their own, some good kill shots, which is a 10-0 run or more. But Carolina is also experiencing some uh, power outages on the offensive end uh, across the final five and a half minutes of the first half against Georgia Tech. Carolina scored exactly one point in allowing Georgia Tech a 12 to 1 run. So, uh coach, scoring droughts from North Carolina, red light, yellow light, green light, how concerned are you about Carolina's offense right now? I'm I'm a green light here. It doesn't bother me at all. Everybody goes through it. It just seems to be maybe more pronounced when they're, it's our team. Our team's doing it and all of a sudden, well, we we got these stretches uh, and then you don't realize that the other team's doing it too when we're making an 8-0 run and they're going you know, four or five minutes without scoring. But that happens to everybody. And you've got to be able to have a set, um, a go-to player and a go-to set where you, you know that. And let's go back to fishing. If I go to my favorite fishing spot with my favorite lure, I know I'm, I'm going to have success because I've always had success there. So what's our favorite set? What's our favorite lineup with that set? When we go through a drought like that, let's figure out exactly what we need to do to get our best player in their best favorite spot to be able to make a play. Um, I'm not really worried about it. Um, and, and Brad Frederick uh, and I spent a lot of time talking X's and O's uh, with what the, you know Carolina likes to do. And I know last year, and I don't want to talk about this year, but last year they did a lot of stuff where they put their best three players in an action together, took, and Leaky Black was one of them, get Leaky out of the way in the corner somewhere, and just let those three guys be able to make plays together. And that's what they'll do. They'll put the ball in their best scorer's hands, put them in the best action, 
and, and find a way. So I'm, I'm really, it happens to everybody. I'm really not worried about it. Uh, I'm more worried about the defense last night, giving up more than 70 points for the first time in a long time. Yeah. 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 And uh, uh, Georgia tech was up over one point per possession while Carolina was just shy of that. So um going to have to rectify that. And of course we'll look ahead to see how Carolina is going to do against Duke. Now, Coach, one of the things that people have been looking at a lot lately is Armando Baycott's production or lack thereof. A little bit of a downturn for Armando Baycott recently. So, got a great question from our Discord, and essentially we're looking at the idea of, hey, what is the root cause of Armando's downturn in points and rebounds? What are the struggles he's having? Uh, he's having, or um, is he doing something intentionally to try and help his team, even if it means a few lesser things for him? We're going to look at that in just a second. All right, Coach Rob, we've all been noticing a, a downturn of late in Armando Baycott's both points and rebounds. There's a lot of other things that he's doing to help this team, and, and we'd like to talk about that. But we had a really good question from at UNC Minded on our Discord channel. Folks, again, reminder, if you're not part of the Locked on Tar Heels Discord community, come join us. It's free, and the link is in the show notes. Um, I've, I've kind of edited this down a little bit so we can get the, the kind of the heart of the question. But it says this, Elliot Cadeau has seen good development as the season goes on. He started the season doing well, but then started to fall off as scouting reports adjusted. He's come on strong again lately, but it appears to me that it has come at the cost at Baycott's expense. Giving up on getting his stats to work on setting up the guard play, and it has worked. Elliot Cadeau and RJ Davis are feasting with what he is setting up. But scouting reports, he says, coach, are bound to eventually catch up. So my question is, what is next in Coach Hubert Davis's bag of tricks? I'd like to hope it's that these games have built up Elliott's confidence so that we can see a mix of earlier play calling and current play calling. But how would you, Coach Rob, think two steps ahead? What's the next game plan? I think what... Carolina's doing is adjusting to what the defense is, is giving them. Hmm. Um, obviously, defense is really early on, especially every time Armando touches it, they're going to double it. Until somebody consistently makes three-pointers, uh, last time I looked, I think Cormac was about 30%. If he's shooting 40% plus, they're, they're not able to double him. Yeah. So that, that again, is, is a direct reaction to what the defense is doing. Um, I think they've opened up the driving lanes a little bit more, brought – uh, Armando out from the basket and allow, and now RJ and especially Elliot's getting to the rim a lot more. So if it's being successful as a coach, you don't care who's getting the points and who's getting the rebounds, as long as you're winning, as long as you're scoring more than the other team. So I don't think they're going to make that adjustment until the defense is now say, okay, we can't give RJ, we can't give Elliot, we can't give, you know, Harrison opportunities to drive to the basket. Um, I think more of the rebounding as, and Harrison specifically is what people are talking about. Uh, Harrison's going and getting it. He, yeah. he wants it a little bit more. In, um, similar situation a few years ago when my son was playing. My son was not a great athlete, but he's great boxing people out. We had an All-American, Aaron Lavardi. Aaron would go get the rebound. So Aaron averaged you know, 12, 13 rebounds a game. Willie averaged about three or four rebounds a game. But Willie was boxing everybody out while Aaron went and got it. And that's kind of what I see. I see Armando kind of – he's still that big body in there. But Harrison's going and getting it. RJ's going and getting it. You know, those guys are, are rebounding. Cormac's a good rebounder, too, for a guard. So, you know, you got other guys who are quicker to the ball and going to get it. 
And the other thing to me is that the game has changed so much. The rebounds are longer. The rebounds are more 50-50 balls than they are just me. Hey, I'm boxing out, going above the rim, grabbing it, bringing it down. It's I got to go chase and beat that guy to the ball. That's not what Armando does. So the more threes are shot, the more long rebounds, the more rebounds you're going to get from your guards and your, your forwards. So, Coach, if you had to distill all of that down, what would you say? Like, for people who are wondering, like, man, why is Armando averaging so fewer points and rebounds right now? I, You know, I feel like I'm hearing a lot of people saying things like, Armando's not playing with enough energy. Armando's not playing with enough gusto and getting after it. Um, and and obviously, we saw him benched for a couple minutes at the early part of the second half against Georgia Tech. Uh, would you say that's true? Or is it more just the, the situational side of things? I think there's something to that. I think there needs to be more energy and there needs to be more aggressiveness. The best post player I ever played with, um, when he demanded the ball in the post, we got him the ball because we knew he was going to do something. And there were times when he didn't demand the ball and we didn't feel like we needed to throw it to him as much. But he needs to be more aggressive wanting the basketball, asking for the basketball. And I think when they see him ask for it and want it and he makes plays, Davis and that, that coaching staff will run more stuff for him. Haven't seen that lately. Haven't seen him really just demand the basketball. Mm. Um, you know, my, my post player, Mike Stevens, he would just say, feed me, feed me. Well, when you heard him <laughs> yell, feed me, got him the basketball as quickly as possible. I would like to see Armando just demand the basketball. Yeah, I mean, he has had double-digit field goal attempts just once in the last six games, Coach, and so I, I think there's something to that. I mean, do you feel like um, the guards are fine? Like, when Armando is getting post position, like, because it, it goes both ways, right? Like, Armando's got to get position, and as you said, the guy's got to feed him. Do you feel like the guards are feeding him when he has position? From what I've seen, when he's open, they're making good decisions. They're not uh, actively freezing him out of the game. Um, but again, he has to want it. They have to be running stuff for him to get it. And the stuff that I've seen recently, they're running more and more stuff for RJ because, um, I think in all of our opinions in Carolina land, he's the best guard in the country. Yeah. So if he's the best guard in the country, we're going to run stuff for him first. And, and sometimes maybe even second, um, cause he's <laughs> being able to make plays. And coach Davis alluded to that in the post game, uh, interview last night. It's, you know, they made one more play than we did. Um, and RJ is making plays on a consistent basis every single night. Um, and if he's going to make plays, you got to put the ball in his hands. Okay, coach. So, you know, getting back to the kind of the crux of the original question, then what is next? As you look ahead, as teams start adjusting to Mondo pulling out, giving these lanes for, for RJ and Elliot and, and even, you know, Seth and Cormac and Harrison to get to the rim. What is the next adjustment? If you're Hubert Davis. To me, I think it's, again, you're adjusting to what the defense gives you. And I, I, I think it's going to come back after they, they see what RJ's doing, what Elliot's doing. I think you're going to see it revert back to maybe Armando getting some one-on-one uh, opportunities in the post. He's not going to get as doubled as much. So I can see them maybe making the adjustment to maybe putting some more stuff uh, in to get Armando the ball in his spot at the right time. Uh, let's be honest. Armando needs to get the ball deep in the post. He doesn't have an array of all awesome offensive. Tyler didn't have a, a, a Hansborough did not have a, an array of awesome, uh, uh, you know, post moves. But he had a a, a go to move that that jump hook that was almost unstoppable. Then he had the drop step going the other way where he get off two feet, ball fake, and just go strong. 
Armando's got to get the ball deep and he's got to be able to be aggressive with it once they get in there. So the crux of it is I think they're going to get back to that once they see he's not getting doubled as much, when they can trust him and, and get him that ball deep. Uh, and then, again, you got to get Cormac to make shots. RJ obviously is going to make shots. Uh, Elliott's had some good looks lately. When he starts making threes, they're going to be very, very dangerous. But I think that's what the crux is. I think they're going to see the flow, the ebb and flow all year. I think they're going to get back to see where Armando is going to have to make some some post moves to be able to, for them to be able to maximize their. That's right. And no need to get out ahead of it, right? Like as long as the defense is still giving you those lanes, like eat, keep eating that way. And then when they adjust, uh, then you can put back in some of those uh, other moments for Armando. Great stuff there, coach. Good analysis. Appreciate you diving into all that. You guys are getting closer and closer to the first Carolina-Duke matchup of the year. It's coming up in just a couple days. Getting ready for that and can't wait. Thank you so much for joining us on today's episode of Locked on Tar Heels. It's been great to be together. Always great to be with Coach Rob, diving into all sorts of great stuff. Um, And obviously, we'll have a lot more as we get towards Duke and then following up from that over the weekend. Of course, we'll have a live postcast, win or lose, after that Duke game Saturday night. If you aren't part of the Locked on Tar Heels Discord community, come join us again. The link is in the show notes. It's free and available. If you want to email us, LockedOnTarHeels at gmail.com. I want to ask you to subscribe on video and audio. That way you can always get our shows when they come into YouTube or your audio feed. Smash the like button if you're watching. Also, please rate and review the show. It's always a great day to be a Tar Heel. We'll talk again tomorrow, but until then, peace.